There's got to be other people that were given up on, didn't have a dad, didn't have a mom, something, you know, that I could be a role model for. And I could show them like, hey, watch what I do with this. Like this hand that was dealt to me, watch, just sit back and watch and I'll inspire you. And that's what went through my head because my mom always told me, even before I I knew the word leader or leadership, that I was going to be a leader and inspire someone someday. So that programming was in my mind and I just, everything I did was, how can I lead? How can I inspire? How can I help? So I've been fueling off of that moment, Steve, for 30 some years converting that into fuel rocket fuel for my future and about two to three years ago i labeled that i bottled it into a concept rocket fuel concept turn all setbacks letdowns difficulties negativity convert it into rocket fuel for your future yeah and you when you do that though you can't be stopped hi this is mike sirocco c-rock ceo of people building inc And you're listening to the Traveling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Traveling Optimist podcast, the home of optimism, insight, and uplifting stories that will inspire and motivate you to achieve great things. How are you? I hope all is well as we head into 2000, sorry, 2021, 2021. Don't forget to keep moving forward, make your plans and set big goals. The latest episode uh, of the podcast takes us back over the pond to Ocean City in the USA, and I'm speaking with the incredible Mike Sirocco. He's the CEO of People Building Inc., a motivational speaker, licensed coach with Grant Cardone, and the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. Mike has just published his first book, Rocket Fuel, where he encourages and enables people to see their greatness by harnessing past life events to fuel their fire and ignite their life. You can pre-order the book on Mike's website, themikecrock.com. That's themikecrock, T-H-E-M-I-K-E-C-R-O-C.com. Mike, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, great to see you, Steve. So thankful to be here. I always start every interview I do with gratitude and just really want to express that to you that I'm honored and, and thankful that I had the opportunity to share with you and your audience. So Steve, thanks for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. Is this the first UK podcast you've done? Do you want me to tell you the truth or? Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter yes. if you're, if no, you're not. it's not. It's okay, not. Cool. No, I've, I've been on the UK before, but you're, you're my favorite so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice recovery. Nice recovery. I love that. Um, so, you know, it's been a, it's been a bit of a challenging year. And so you, you've written this, this book. Have you written a book this year? Yes, it was uh, over the last year and a half that I've been writing it. So tell us, tell us a bit more about your book because it's a, it's got a fantastic title called Rocket Fuel, and you know, I, I mean, I've ordered it, but I've not received it yet because you've only just it's only just been published. Is that right? Correct, correct. Actually, it's uh, it's being wrapped up right now. Um, when I look at um, the date of release, actually, it's going to be February seventh, which is my birthday, my forty fourth birthday. But the book is called Rocket Fuel, and the subtitle is Convert Setbacks, period, Become Unstoppable, period. And that sums it up. It's right to the point. You take your setbacks, you turn them into fuel, and you become unstoppable. Because like in life, Steve, when you're going to, you know, towards your ideal life or your goals, anything that you want, anything that comes your way that stops you, if you can not just remove them, but actually instead of storing them in your trunk and weighing you down, put them in your tank, and convert them into fuel, rocket fuel, you become unstoppable. 
And that's what I want to show people. That's the feeling that I have myself personally. And I want to share that with people. That, that you must have some past experiences then that's, that has inspired you to, to, use your, uh, to, to use your own rocket fuel. So what are your sort of past experiences then that has enabled you to ignite the rockets of Mike C-Rock? Well, first of all, you know, throughout my life, anytime I've had a setback, and I think people can relate to this, setback, disappointment, someone letting me down, sh- screwing me over, so to speak, or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. you always get this feeling in your chest. Like, it's like, oh man, I, I, like a, I don't know, like a sunken heart, like your stomach. I don't know what it is exactly, but it just doesn't feel good. And I was tired of feeling like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like anybody else to feel like that. I don't want anybody to ever have to go through that feeling of, of, letdown and despair and lack of hope. Mm. So that's what, what it stems from. And I've had some mentors in my life. I call them heroes because they've made me feel like when I was a kid and had a superhero and I would run into my superhero, like a football player that I, 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 I worshiped, so to speak as a kid, or the feeling that you had when with, what your hero gave you, I want to make people feel that feeling mm. and not to just be someone's hero, but just to be the role model and mentor people deserve and need. So at a young age, Steve, when I was, uh, you know, really, I don't remember my parents ever together. I came from a broken home and I was always around broken people, broken mindsets and broken, just brokenness, man. Mm. And I wasn't okay being around that. I wasn't okay with just accepting that. I wanted to fix people. I wanted to help people. And from the time I was uh, eight to 11, I ended up living with my dad for a period of time. And, you know, it was the rough period. They were, I was dealing with step parents being involved and their agendas got in the mix and other children were born. And, and it was very, very conflicting with the fact that the parents didn't get along. Uh, things were taken out on me and things that were said to me that shouldn't have been said uh, about my mom and threats, just, just different things that went on. And at 11 years old, I decided to get out of that household by having my mom file papers, custody papers to get me back to her house. And Mm. she told me when she did this, that if I wanted her to do this, that she would do it. However, I must stick to my guns. And that to me, I took literally like stick to my guns, meaning stubborn. I must Mm. be stubborn. When I make a decision like this, I can't flip flop. I can't let my dad and, and his wife talk me out of moving back with them. I have to stick to my guns. And so stubbornness became a badge of honor for me to wear because I realized that when a lot of people think stubborn has a negative connotation when actually the definition includes of stubborn, the definition of stubborn says perversely unyielding. Mm. Now those two words together get me fired up because when I want something, of course I'm going for ethical and good things, right? Uplifting things. But when I want something and I want to accomplish something or help somebody get something, can you imagine being perversely unyielding? Yeah. Like how powerful is that? You're not going to be stopped. Yeah. So, yeah. So my mom told me to stick to my guns. And so when I finally had the court papers that were served to my dad, I came home from school one day, very tense situation, very uncomfortable and awkward. He told me to go to my room. And my dad was my hero, Steve. He had a masonry business and laid block and brick and concrete and he had big forearms and rough hands. And I always looked up to my dad for how hard he worked and he was successful at that. And he always carried a lot of hundred dollar bills around in his pocket with a rubber band around it. And, you know, that was kind of cool because he would flash it and he would show me that what the work got him and what the money got us, and all this stuff. So when uh, he told me to go to my room when I got home from school that day and I sat there and waited for him, which was, felt like forever. And he finally got back there and he's like, you know, hey, it says here you want to move back with your mom. Is that true? And I remember my mom telling me, stick to your guns. 
I said, yes, it's true. He said, well, you know, they don't have it well there. They don't have any money. You're what, like, what are you going to do? You, you have everything you need here. And I thought to myself, stick to your guns, stick to your guns. So I said, no, I, I'm, I'm not discussing. I'm, I've made my decision. And imagine just 11-year-old kids sitting here, like having this conversation with an adult. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, well, if that's the case. And he took that wad of $100 bills, cash out. He peeled one off and crumpled it up and threw it at me and said, you're going to need this then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And when I, I heard that, that message, <laughs> that my, my hero basically felt like throwing in the towel. Maybe he felt like I was giving up on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, maybe that's the case because, you know, nothing, I would not let any of the stuff that happened to me as a kid happen to my kids. Mm. And, you know, if I did, I would be feel like I should be gave up on, gave up on as well. Mm. But, but at the end of the day, um, I thought two things when that happened. One, I was stubborn, right? My mom told me to stick to my guns. I thought to myself, I'm not going to need that money. I'm not going to have you dictate my future. I'm going to control my future. I got this. I'll show you kind of thing, mm. right or wrong, but that's the way I felt. And then the other thing I thought was I was in an ordinary situation. Like everybody comes from broken homes, I thought. People that are on TV that have families that the, the dads and moms are still together and everything's so happy. I thought that was fairy, fairy tales. So I could help. I, fi- I figured since this was ordinary, there was other people going through this. There's got to be other people that were given up on, didn't have a dad, didn't have a mom, something you know that I could be a role model for. Yeah. And I could show them like, Hey, watch what I do with this. Mm. Like this hand that was dealt to me, watch, just sit back and watch and I'll inspire you. And that's what went through my head because my mom always told me, even before I would, I I knew the word leader or leadership that I was going to be a leader and inspire someone someday. So that programming was in my mind. And I just, everything I did was how can I lead? How can I inspire? How can I help? So I've been fueling off of that moment, Steve, for 30 some years converting that into fuel, rocket fuel for my future. And about two to three years ago, I labeled that. I bottled it into a concept, rocket fuel concept, turn all setbacks, letdowns, difficulties, negativity, convert it into rocket fuel for your future. Yeah. And you, when you do that, though, you can't be stopped. That's really interesting, though. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that, because you said two or three years ago, things start, this, this all came to fruition. So what caused you to start thinking this way? What happened? So I think there was a period of time where my stepfather, George, stepped into my life when I was 11. He's my mom's third husband. And uh, he was the kind of man that was hard on you. Like he would, if you did wrong, he'd let you know about it. Now, he never laid a hand on us, but he let you know about it. And he taught me right from wrong. Do good things, good things happen. Do bad things, bad things happen. Um, he taught me these things that uh, I needed to learn at that young age going into manhood. Taught me that I should read more. The reason that I don't read more was because I didn't understand what I was reading and he needed to, I needed to look words up. And I would ask him what a word means and he would say, hey, go look it up. Yeah. And that's back before we had Google. We would have to go to the big thick dictionary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he would say, Go look it up. And I would say, well, you just can't tell me. Save me some time. He's like, no, no, no. You got to go look it up. Um, but, but George was in my life for, for a period of time until I was about 40, 41. And he came out of the woods from hunting one day. And he, by the way, he was really passionate, like a passionate man. Like you would be in a room and he would sit on the couch and not talk to anybody for, at first. But if somebody brought up baseball, football, hunting, fishing, man, he would jump up, get in their face, get all fired up, mo- like animated. And he had this real deep voice, like real deep voice. 
And so that passion happened to come into me when George passed away in January of 2019. He was coming out of the woods hunting. He had a heart attack, passed away in his car, and someone found him. And two weeks later after that, I felt this like this energy come inside me. And I was, I, I was, I was obviously hurt at first. Like, man, I can't believe we lost George. Yeah. And uh, it came into me and I was like, wait a minute, I have a purpose here. I had, this, I had did a self-analysis of myself and I looked at myself and said, what am I been fueling off of? There's some kind of special thing that I've been fueling off of for the last 30 some years. And I got to figure this out. Yeah. So I looked at it and I found out that I was converting everything bad that happened to me or quote unquote appeared bad. Anything that was keeping me from going to where I wanted to go, mm. I was converting into fuel. And so I was, my life was going like, like a, a graph. I know you people can't see, but if you look at a graph, it's going gradually up, which yeah. is a normal successful graph. And I said, if I could label this and bottle it and, and get it out to the masses and help people, and then I'm aware of it as well now. I called it rocket fuel because you really, instead of that graph just going gradually up, now that graph goes straight up like a rocket yeah, into outer space, away from gravitational pull. And so George was the reason. I hate to say that it was he had to pass away for me to get this passion, but man, damn, he, he, his spirit's inside of me. That's the only way I can ex- express mm-hmm. it. I mean, I don't know what people believe, but I just don't get tired. I don't get burnt out. I don't get wore out. Steve, I'm on a mission. Like I get my seven, eight hours of sleep every night, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I just don't get tired from, from doing this. And so I want to give this to everyone else, like this energy, this passion, this concept to people. Mm. So you went on to become a Grant Cardone licensee. So did that happen at the same time? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is timing's weird uh, with things. So when George passed away, that was a mentor I had. And I was like, man, I just felt lost. I mean, I knew what I was doing with things and I was because you were a people, success. But... You were a successful businessman up to that as well, weren't you? So you yeah, know, just yeah. to sort of mention this in terms of you know from the audience perspective, you have your own mortgage business as well, don't you? Well, well yeah, I run a division. I run a division for Nations Lending over here in the United States, and yes, we have forty employees. Uh, we we were going through a rocky time uh, just prior to that, and we were coming out of a hole that somebody created for us that. Uh, at that time, but yeah, I, I knew what I was doing. I knew about yeah. success, but but not on the level that I needed to, and not know where I am now. Mm. And so, Grant uh, wrote a book called The Ten X Rule. And my brother Casey, who was going through the grieving process with me as well, he was really really close to George. He was reading The Ten X Rule, and he said, "Hey, man, you got to read this book, man. This guy Grant Cardone, he sounds just like you." Mm. And I'm like, "Really?" I said, "All right, I'll read it." So I started reading it, and I'm like, "Holy cow, this guy's talking to me." This guy's talking my language. It was like I was an animal that was caged up for years from worrying about what people think and from discouraging people and events and different things. I just got introverted and I was caged up. And now I can unleash and really understand, Steve, that the people – I thought I had the problem. I thought I was crazy that I was so fired up about things. And I I ended up pulling back. And I realized that the people around me that didn't understand that, that would go away from me when I showed passion – yeah. Um, or any of that, they're the ones with the problem, not me. And that yeah. validated everything for me. That validated my attitude, the way I work, my big think. It, it, it validated it. And when I validated that and I have rocket fuel now, it just I, I, I feel like I'm unstoppable and I can accomplish whatever I want. Mm. And I want to encourage other people that they can too. So Grant gave me that validation. He became my mentor. I immersed myself in his content. 
And uh, I, I'm not afraid to say that um, when I'm doing my thing with what are you made of and, and rocket fuel and the sea rock brand, like some people say to me, you know, and again, I don't worry about what people think I use it as fuel, but well, why are you promoting grants so much? Like, why do you, you know, uh, you have your own thing. Doesn't that take away from your thing? Mm-hmm. Those people that say that do not understand how to collaborate, how to work with people and how to get lift uh, from others. And I want to promote him for helping me one. And for two, obviously if, if, I can be a part of that organization, that movement that's got massive growth now. Yeah. And they're willing to, to bring me along for the ride. Why not ride it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're enjoying the ride so far. I, I absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so what, what, why, why, why are people's pasts then so influential, do you think? You referred to earlier that, you know, you're, you're potentially going down a road that may have taken you somewhere that you didn't want to go and you're, you know, you you took the, the words from your, your mother and, and, um, and they were great, great. That was great advice. So what, what, what is about, what is it about people's past then that you, 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 you focus on and, and then, and use that to inspire them? Well, look, everybody's got a story, you know, and one of the pickup lines I used to use when I was dating um, before I was married was what's your story. You know, I'd go up to a girl and, Hey, what's your story? And they'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, everybody's got a story. What's your story? Yeah. And I would get them talking about themselves. One, it's therapeutic. Two, people want to talk about themselves naturally. And if you do that for people, they allow you to, to, they show vulnerability and they allow you to see themselves when you are interested in them yeah. and they like you. Like yeah. you don't have to share anything about yourself. And if you just let someone talk about themselves, they seem to like you for some reason mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> without even knowing you. So, uh, you know, that, that is important to share your story. Uh, and let people know where you come from and relate. It doesn't have to be an or, like an extraordinary story. It could be an ordinary story. Matter of fact, more people will relate to you and connect with you on ordinary stories than extraordinary because they can relate. The other thing is people don't share their story, Steve, because they're embarrassed by it. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they came from a poor family or a crazy family like I did. And, and you're just embarrassed by that for some reason. Or people think that, that nobody cares about their story. Or that last one, this is the most important one. People underestimate the power that their story has to inspire millions of people. Mm. So when all that's being said, like if you know that you could inspire one person or maybe a million, you'll share your story. And what the story does is, again, it reminds you of where where you've come from, how far you've come, the fact that you've made it through certain things. Like I have What Are You Made Of podcast, right? And you were on there, guest in in the past here. And What what Are You Made Of is all about what are you made of? What What are the things that you've gone through that allowed you to get to where you are today Mm. that you have as use as fuel or arsenal of weapons or tools or whatever you have. Like one of the things I always do when I'm going through a difficult time, I always go back and say to myself, C-Rock, what are you made of? Like, what are you made of, man? Look at all the stuff that you've been through when you were a kid, going through court things, going through child psychologists to see if you were mature enough to make a decision of who you wanted to live with as a kid. Uh, the, the abuse that you dealt with, like all that stuff. Look at, look at what you've done, man. This is nothing compared to that. So the past is important for that to use as fuel, to convert anything you can possibly find to use as fuel, mm. not for regret. The past is not for regret or just looking back and getting stuck in it. It's for training and fuel. That's it. And so that's what I work with people on to look at back and say, look how far you've come, look at the training you've received and look at the fuel you have access, you know, accessible to you. It's a really, it's a really interesting question. It's a, it's a real deep dive question, actually, and it's one that I kind of struggled with a little bit when you said that you were going to ask me that question. I, and I got, I got panicky a little bit. But actually, what's that? What, it, what are you made of? Yeah, yeah. What, what, 
what are you made of? And it's, it's a scary question to, to, to people. But actually, do you know what? It's a really important question to ask yourself. And you're quite right. Reflecting. Some people say that reflecting isn't, is, is a waste of time or whatever. But actually, looking back, it's an important exercise to do so that you can see, like you said, to see how far you've come. And actually, you don't realize how far you've come until you ask that question. And it surprised, it surprised me. Um, I'll give you an example. I've been seeing a life coach for a couple of years. Louise, and um, she's been incredible. And she asks really good questions. All good coaches ask good questions, I've since found out. <laughs> but uh, she's, she encouraged me to sort of have a look at how things are now and then just say, you know, what were they like, you know, a few years ago over the last sort of 14 years. And then, you know, when COVID hit, it was, it was very difficult to kind of get my head around the fact that I might be, I might have lost my business. I haven't, but, I, you know, it was touch and go. And it was, it was really worrying, actually. And, um, but she's kind of put some perspective on it and, and made me think, actually, do you know what? I was probably judging my life on the wrong things. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do that, don't you? Do, do you yeah. find that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, I have clients that I work with and, and they get so caught up in the adversity they're dealing with and the chaos that's going on that they can't see the forest through the trees, right? Mm. And uh, you have to get clarity. Clarity is a big deal. Um, and how you get that, you have to really get clear on, first of all, what you want out of life. Yeah. And, and I think it's clarity is a big deal that I see is the major issue for most people. And, that, and the other thing is clarity, not just being clear on what you want, but what is it that you want? People don't know. Like they just go about their day. They wake up in the morning, they go to their job, they go, go home, spend some time with their family. Then they go watch some TV and go to bed. Yeah. Yep. And I don't, I'm not about that life. I, I want to live a life and I want to encourage other people to live the life that they want to. Be a kid again. Be a kid and imagine. Let your imagination run, run wild. Get back into that mode where people have talked you out of things and discouraged you from things. And you might have had a setback before or failed and you, and you, you stopped imagining and dreaming, man. Mm. Like, you know, if, if just, you just imagine somebody like Walt Disney or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, if any of these guys stopped using their imagination or dreaming, we wouldn't have the things that they provided to this world. Absolutely. What are you, what are you using your imagination for at the moment? What are you dreaming of? Well, you know, my thing is, is that, and again, this should sound crazy to people, right? Because this is my imagination and dreams, but I want to be a superhero. And what I mean by that is like, I want to be a superhero to people where like they talk to me and they're like, wow, man, they get off the phone with me and then they go attack their day. They go attack their dreams. They go attack whatever they need to do yeah. because they're full of rocket fuel. They, they, they understand it's not just a motivational thing. It's about understanding the fact that like going after this is not an option. It's morally and ethically a duty or an obligation to go and be the person that you were put on this earth to be. Yeah. Now, whatever you believe, I happen to believe in God. I don't apologize for believing in God. I know there's a God. I've seen too much not to, and I believe it in the first place. And I believe that I was put on this earth with a certain amount of potential. I believe all of us have potential, blessings, whatever you want to call it. And I don't think that it's right that I don't go after that and find out where the limit is and test the limit. If I leave any unused blessings, unused potential that was given to me, I think any of us that, that have to feel like this, then mm. that's a major, major problem to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, so that's, you know, that's what I look at. I, I want to be a superhero to, sh- to teach people that and encourage people with that and then guide them and show them, you know, how to, how to reach greatness and whatever they want. Absolutely. I, c- I, can see, I can see you wearing a cape and stuff 
and uh, <laughs> <laughs> doing all your tours and and uh, and 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 speaking engagements with this uh, with this cape on superhero yeah <laughs> absolutely no i i love that and and so how how has this affected your family how how have your kids reacted to uh, dad you know changing well, his life over the last few years you know, I think it's difficult at times because sometimes I, I hold myself to such a high standard and my kids and my wife sometimes may feel that they don't meet the standards that I hold for myself. And so I have to consistently work with them to understand that, hey, we're all work in progress. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't expect you to be at certain levels. I just expect you to be making progress towards what God's given us. And, you know, my daughter's taken a hold of it and become, you know, a little TikToker and doing videos and things like that, like she sees dad doing and she gets a kick out of that. And my son, my son is, you know, he's fought me on a lot of the things that we, we, you know, I talk about and work on. And I just had to figure some things out of how do I paint the picture to him so that he understands Mm. because it's my responsibility to make sure that he understands what I'm talking about half the time and what I'm going for and and we had a little breakthrough um, this past weekend, actually, where I was laying in bed watching TV before bed with my wife and before we went to sleep. And I was watching a show. And I don't remember what the show was, but I just got this aha moment where I realized when I take off in an airplane, the people on the ground start to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And as you get up in the air, they disappear, actually, right? As you get up high enough. But the, my point was, was that we're not as big as we think we are. Now, I don't want people to take this the wrong way and take it down the wrong road of insignificance. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is the fact that the problems that we generally have or the, you know, the, the discouragements that we, all this stuff that we think about a lot of times is not as big as we think it is. And so like your life coach had you redirect your focus, right? Yeah. And put things in perspective a little bit, but we're little tiny, tiny little things, little specks when it all comes down to it. Because when you get up there, you see that. Mm. Not really the big people that we are next to each other. So our problems are the same way. What are the problems? Like, what are these issues that we're concerned and worried about all the time? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just imagine a little guy getting really angry and these little tiny, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm angry. I'm pissed. You know, all this stuff. He's just like a yeah. little guy. So yeah. I related that to my son and I painted this picture and I told him and my daughter. And so over the weekend, anytime somebody got fired up about something or if they were disagreeing with something, we would say, little man, little man. And that would remind us of, hey, we're just little people. <laughs> and then we would laugh and joke. And then we made a joke about it. And then from there, my son came, came and it was like a breakthrough moment. Actually, just this weekend that you asked that question is, uh, is pretty ironic. But uh, w- just this weekend, he, he's, he was, his attitude has just been phenomenal. And I'm, we're like, what, what's gotten into you, man? Yeah. Like, he even gave me some of his candy. And I'm like, dude, he's like, well, at first I really wanted that candy. But then I thought about if I gave it to you, I know how much you like this type of candy and I'll just give it to you. And even though I want it, and then it made me feel good. And then I realized that giving feels good and I'm just going to, you know, the attitude thing too. Like if I have a better attitude, I start to feel better. And it was like a, like a breakthrough. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. It took me, it was a while. We were bashing heads for a while and man, what a, what a great breakthrough to see. That's amazing. I love that. That is so cool. That really is so cool. In fact, I, my, my daughter came up with something the other day. She said, you know, I know this COVID thing has been really awful for a lot of people, but it's, um, you know, I hope that people have sort of managed to, to look back and think how lucky, how lucky they are and, and, and appreciate what they have rather than what they don't have. Gratitude. Uh, oh yeah, no, really powerful stuff. Uh, you know, and and 
And that's actually something I think that really should be promoted a bit more. You know, I right. mean, I could, this is, a, that could be a totally separate podcast, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. for kids and stuff. But um, no, that's, that's fantastic. And, and I think that's all testament to setting the right uh, example. And it's interesting because I was talking to my wife the other day and we were talking about, you know, our own childhoods and stuff. And, and do you think that somehow parents, without trying to get into sort of this parenting thing or whatever, but do you think parents sort of overcompensate on things for what happened in their lives so that that doesn't happen in that so that they're the, the opposite of what they were that their parents were if you see what i mean do you find do you uh, find absolutely. that yeah absolutely hmm. um you know i went through that with a, a period of time too with my kids where i know the answer hmm. and i just don't um, bang my head against the wall like come on i know the answer you got to do it this way i know you'll be successful but you got to let them figure it out themselves yeah yeah y- yeah you know some things now you know, so one of the things I've done also recently is I've, I've really focused on saying like, guys, listen, you're either going to learn lessons from your parents or you're going to, the world's going to teach you mm-hmm. and the world is way more harsh than your parents. Yeah. So it's up to you. So I'm going to leave that to you. And that's helped a lot too, because they realize, well, my parents are just trying to help. Yeah. You know? And they put some perspective again. Hey, I'm not really being that hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that sort of brings us around full circle, really, in terms of from your coaching and, and, and your uh, book and, and everything. Limiting beliefs are very real, aren't they, in people's lives? And, and do you find that they're sort of the, the biggest sort of block to the people achieving their, their greatness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Limiting beliefs or programming that, that's been programmed into our subconscious mind that, that basically what it comes down to, Steve, is survival. Like people want to in default positioning will just get by. Yeah. Just survive, just get by. And you'll always come up short of just getting by when you act that way. So um, with that program in mind, without accountability and, and structured action towards a, 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 an ideal life or grow, like, you know, a, a certain big goals or what have you, mm. you always be back to just get it, go, you know, reactive mode, so to speak, just going about your day, letting life live you instead of living life. And so um, when you really become to understand that nothing's impossible, it just hasn't happened yet Mm. for you or for anyone. Once you realize that, then you start thinking, okay, well, what if it did happen? And and when you open those doors and and the possibilities, you start seeing things like it's amazing and by the way, when you, when you have success or you, you have a, a, a goal in mind and you achieve it, a lot of times, a lot of times you don't realize the person you've become. It's, there's no big bells and whistles and announcement that goes off that says, Steve, you made it. it a lot of times what will happen is you won't recognize yourself six months, a year from now mm-hmm. from where you were before. And then yeah. you just, you have an aha moment, kind of awareness happening. You're like, wait, wait a minute. Look how far I've come. Yeah. You know? So yeah. No, that's 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 a very um, very profound comment actually, because most people don't realize how far they've come, and and actually most people don't set big enough goals, do they? Do you find that? Of course, I do it myself. Even uh, even we talked about Grant. Grant talks about that all the time. He just realizes every time he achieves something, he's like, man, I, I should have set the goal higher. Yeah. His biggest thing he always says is that he wish he would have set bigger goals and thought bigger before. Yeah. And yeah. all of us do it because here's the thing. Somebody asked me the other day. They said, uh. You know, let's pretend you're climbing a mountain. Everybody's got their mountain they're climbing. And what's at the top of your mountain? Like when you get to the top, what is it? And I'm like, man, listen, I know you're supposed to have this clear vision. I teach and coach on this clear vision of where you want to go. But I'd rather have that clear vision of where I want to go. And it's only halfway up the mountain. 
Okay. And I don't know what's at the top. I, I have no idea how big the mountain is I'm climbing. That's the blessings and potential thing that I told you about before. I'd rather say, you know, because to me, like, you know, when we have this mountain that we're climbing, if you can imagine clouds above you and you can't see the top of the mountain, I don't know how tall that mountain is. And that's okay. But as long as I'm setting my sights on halfway up the mountain, a ways up that mountain so that I can get, maybe, maybe it's just, hey, let me get above the clouds so I can see where else is up there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Would you say you're an optimist? Yeah. So we, we talked about this before, right? And uh, <laughs> I, think, I think being optimistic is important um, for the outlook of things. But I also think that there's a way sometimes where you have to be understanding that there's going to be uh, more difficulties and resources needed, time needed, money needed, energy needed to get to where you're going than you anticipate. Yeah. So, you know, to me, if you're optimistic about getting somewhere and optimistic about how little it's going to cost you and how little it's going to take to do that, I think that's a problem. So I think, it, you know what, like what, what's wrong with being optimistic on certain things and then pessimistic in, in, in certain other things as a combination? Yeah, I suppose you absolutely. It's not the definitive characteristic, I don't think, of of um, somebody who's successful. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I and I take that on board totally. I think there's a lot of people out there in this day and age that just don't want to be optimistic. You know, they just don't want to take that. They don't want to. They don't want to step out from the, the the treadmill of life and say, you know what, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic about something and and, and, well, and whatever. I think that I, you know, I, I do. Yeah, I get it, man. I, I just think the one thing I'm always concerned with is complacency and being comfortable. And yeah. so I'm afraid that sometimes if I think things are too good and I'm too optimistic, that that'll start to creep in. Okay. And I'm scared of that because. That is one fear of have. It's my kryptonite is complacency. Mm. And I did, a, I did, a, I put a quote out recently and talked about nothing is ever as good as, or, or as bad as you think it is, but it's never as also as good as other people see it to be. Yeah. So in other words, like we go around our day and a lot of times and we may think we're in a hole and things aren't as good as they are and this and that. And then the people that are observing things on the outside, they may say, man, C-Rock, you're killing it. Da, 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 da. Oh man. I mean, you're, you're doing all this stuff and I'm not thinking that way. Mm. I'm not thinking it's as good as they think it is. Mm. So it's, it, it's a, it's a interesting thing to know that it's never as bad as you think it is. And it's never as good as other people see it to be. <laughs> no, it's very true. It's very true. What are your goals then for 2021? What, what's going to, what, what's going to really keep those engines burning for you? So my goal now is to get this brand with rocket fuel and the C rock brand up and running beyond where it is now, but the book's got to become a bestseller. Um, I'm going to do programs and events and even a clothing line around rocket fuel. Right. Um, I, I want to, what I want to do is I want to see how far I can take the brand with different, different things with it. So like I said, like the rocket fuel lifestyle clothing line, um, rocket fuel book and then programs around the rocket fuel, digital courses, training platforms, coaching groups, mentorship, uh, events, you know, even maybe, you know, taking a documentary from the podcast that I'm doing. Yeah, what you made of podcast, and then maybe going making it a documentary now and selling it to Netflix, cool. uh, interviewing high profile people that have had setbacks and what Rocket Fuels meant to them. Little things like that that we can just continue yeah. to grow upon and and just see how far we can take this thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds amazing. Really, that sounds so amazing. And I'm so so thankful for you uh, coming on the show, mate. It's really uh, I, I feel very lucky that uh, you, you're taking time out to to talk to me and um, give, give my listeners some of your insight. And well, um, it's my honor, man, my honor. Oh, Thank I, you, Steve. No, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I can now 
uh, welcome you into the optimism tribe. Even though you have a little bit of pessimism, I'll let you off. It's not a problem. No problem. I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's well intentioned, though. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely, Mike. Um, we can uh, people can get hold of you on LinkedIn and and through your website, yes. right? Yes, and uh, you know the the book the, the the website that you gave out is my main website. You can get the book there or go to Mike Searock com not the Mike C Rock. That's my main website, but Mike com forward slash book. And you can get the, the a copy of Rocket Fuel. You want to get this, it'll change your life. I promise you. I wrote it for that purpose. And also Instagram is one of my favorite platforms. Okay. Instagram and a new one now, Clubhouse. I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse or not. Yeah, I've just heard about Clubhouse. So so Clubhouse I've been on now recently. Uh it is phenomenal. It's there's no video, it's just all speaking. And uh this isn't I mean, I don't work for them, it's not a promo for them, but Find me on Clubhouse as well because I'm going to be doing some things on there regarding rocket fuel as well. Cool. That sounds amazing. Listen, have a, a fantastic uh, 2021. Um, I'll, I'll be following you and um, wishing you uh, all the very best from across the, uh, across the Atlantic. Um, we'll stay in touch. And, um, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that incredible conversation with Mike. Links on how to contact Mike and his social media accounts are in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn, of course. And if you'd like to support the show, the easiest and most impactful way is to subscribe to the podcast on the player of your choice. Sharing the show with friends and colleagues and family is so very much appreciated. And of course, I want to wish you all a great year ahead, wherever you are and whatever you do.